living God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies us. Please be seated. I think John Lennon and Paul McCartney put it best when they warbled, all you need is love. Love is all you need. So says Jesus. I grew up in a violent house. At the age of five, I was hospitalized a week before Christmas on December 18th. And I can remember many of the smallest details of that night, including that date. And for instance, as I lay on a gurney in the hospital hallway waiting for a surgeon to come mend my shattered body, I could see and hear a children's choir, rows of cherubic little angels in red and white choir robes, sweetly singing a Christmas carol. This was in the auditorium of the hospital and was being recorded uh, and was broadcast on KCET on Christmas Eve when they did holiday music. And it was my mother who directed my attention to the sweet sounds in order to distract me from my pain and soothe my tears. The contrast between this idyllic portrait of children and my own life was almost more than I could bear. There seems something perversely counterintuitive about a world where innocent children are put in harm's way, even to the point of being snuffed out while the music plays on. And the gospel reading for this morning reminds us that the first and greatest commandment is this. Love your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And the second of God's commandments, we are told, is to love our neighbors as ourselves. Now, I'm not too worried about us. I'm not too worried about the first of these commandments where we are concerned, loving God with all our hearts and minds and souls. On that score, I think we're doing pretty good. It's not perfect, but, uh, you know, so there's not, it's not to say there isn't room for improvement, but I think there are signs of how we love God and the fruits of it that are all around us. It's in our rituals, and it's in the good works that we do in our lives. It's the loving our neighbor as ourselves that is so difficult. So what if we flip that to say uh, the commandment is to love ourselves as we love our neighbors? Some of us are guilty of putting other people's needs before our own. And this is not loving ourselves as much as we love our neighbor. And we might have a problem with enabling others in their destructive addictions. And we have a problem of not loving ourselves, in fact, of self-loathing. And we promise ourselves that the next time we're going to hold firmer boundaries or never again will I put myself down. The hardest thing is to love ourselves as as much as we should or as much as we love others. But it is exactly the thing that we need to do. Love of the neighbor won't be meaningful or lasting unless it is driven by self-acceptance. All we need is love. And what does that look like? Carl Jung, who's the Swiss psychiatrist and founder of analytical psychology, who in fact invented the concept of the collective unconscious, once wrote about the mystery of love. He wrote, 
I have never been able to explain it. Now, if Young can't explain it, you know, we're all in trouble. I, can, I have never been able to explain it, but he went on to acknowledge that St. Paul came close when in his great hymn to love, St. Paul said that love bears all things and endures all things. These words say all there is to be said. But in the end, Jung felt that the best way to express the ineffability of love is to name the unknown by the more unknown. That is the name of God. Now, I want to point out, maybe I should bring over as a, as a visual aid, the cross over here. And on the Isle of Iona, which you may have heard of in Scotland with the Iona community, on the Isle of Iona, there's a 16-foot stone-carved cross from the 10th century that's called St. Martin's Cross. And it stands in front of the restored Iona Abbey. In Christianity, the cross has been our most prominent symbol, a symbol of God's love, a symbol of the inexplicable. Because we are made of God, it also becomes a symbol of what is indefinable in us our longing for love, and our capacity in love to endure all things. Carl Jung says the cross is the Christian totality symbol. Essentially, it is a mandala, like arts, an ancient representation of the wholeness or the totality of all things. Say we draw a circle around it, as John the Beloved did in Asia Minor, in its early cross design, with a cross's two beams being equal in length and the intersecting vertical and horizontal lines being equidistant, not like this one, but also surrounded by a circle, so the points are touching the inner circle. The Celtic cross is similar, with the circle superimposed over the heart of the cross. With this added design element, the cross's mandala feature becomes more apparent. It has four quadrants and four primary points down at the bottom. Um, And we see in it north and south, east and west. We see the above and the below the left and the right. In the cross, opposites are joined. It is a way of saying that heaven and earth, the divine and the human, the life of one nation and the life of its polar opposite can be brought together. The place where the lines intersect is at the heart of the cross. And the, and the only force that has the power to truly bring together the apparent opposites in our lives and in our world is love. All we need is love. So in my long life and in my travels, I've met many people who belong to the Christian household, some of whom find it impossible to identify with or even tolerate the use of the cross as Christianity's uh, most enduring symbol. And this is usually because the cross has been associated with a particular doctrine of salvation. That doctrine says that a price needs to be paid for God's love and forgiveness. 
And that price was the death of Jesus on a cross. The teaching is often referred to as the doctrine of substitutionary atonement. A couple big words, right? Substitutionary atonement. Although a payment needed to be made, says the doctrine, we are not worthy to make payment ourselves, so a substitute, a sacrificial lamb, was needed, and Jesus died on our behalf to propitiate the anger of God. Now, one of the problems with this doctrine is that it runs counter to our deepest experience of love. Who are the people who've most loved us in the midst of our failures and betrayals? Because none of us are perfect. Could we ever imagine these people demanding payment to forgive us for our shortcomings? No. True love is free. Perhaps too much damage has been done by the doctrine of substitutionary atonement that the cross has become an irredeemable symbol for many, both in the Christian household and beyond. But I hope not. I hope it can be redeemed because, essentially, the cross is a symbol of the mystery at the heart of Christianity's great gift to the world, the conviction that love can reconcile all things. The cross points to the love that so endured in Jesus for the poorest and the most powerless of his people that he found the strength to go to Jerusalem to confront the holders of false power in his nation. It points to the love that so lived in Mahatma Gandhi and Archbishop Oscar Romero and in civil rights activist Rosa Parks and in countless others who, knowing the likely cost of their passion for justice, namely the risk of imprisonment or death, they, they knew the likely cost of their passion for justice, yet nevertheless they continued on their chosen path. It is a love that we have experienced in those who have been most faithful to us in our families and friendships, and that we most long for in the midst of brokenness and fragmentation in our lives and in our world. When we pray by revering the cross as a symbol of the love that can bear all things, we are praying for a true and just balance between ourselves and the world as individuals, nations, races, and species. Love is all we need, yes, but maybe it's the thing that we haven't got. To truly love our neighbors and ourselves is to say no to the false use of power. It is to learn how to denounce the abuse of force, to avoid being enthralled by it. It is to practice detachment from power that we see in Jesus' refusal to be intimidated by power. To truly love is to work for a just equity of power between nations, races, and genders, and in our day-to-day relationships and transactions. It is to oppose all patterns of power over another. True justice is never about coercing the other. It's only truly attained when the two are able to say yes to each other and to conjoin in ways that honor each other. 
This is why it's impossible for one nation to impose true justice upon another or for one people to dictate what is best for another people. Just as it is for a lover to claim true bliss in sexual union if it has been forced on another. Mutuality of consent is the very essence of justice. It lies at the heart of love. The cross is a revelation of our capacity for love. There is the cross pointing to the way of Christ, to the love that can bear all things, and the circle pointing to the oneness or interrelatedness of all things. The cross and the circle share the same center. They emerge from the same point. Christ and creation spring from the same source. They both emerge from the heart of God. The deeper we move in the Christ mystery, the closer we come to the one who is the origin of creation. The deeper we move in the mystery of creation, the closer we come to the presence that Christ embodies. Deepest in both and deepest within all of us is the yearning for union to remember the oneness from which, we, from which we have come and to live and move as one being again. As Christians, we have much to learn from the many people well beyond the bounds of our Christian household who revere the wisdom and the way of Jesus. As the Jewish philosopher Martin Buber once said, I do not believe in Jesus, but I do believe with him. I do not believe in Jesus, but I do believe with him. What if we had realized long ago that the important thing is not getting the world to believe what we believe, getting others to subscribe to our particular beliefs? The important thing, I think, is inviting the world to believe in the way of love, the love that endures all things. And we have the capacity to do this. We are made as a means of love. The question is whether we will live what we know we truly are, love. There's nothing that can, you have to imagine I'm saying this with a British accent. There's nothing you can do that can't be done. All you need is love, love. Love is all you need. Amen. Come and go with me to that land. Come and go.